I'm James Henderson with Bradley Three Ranch in Childress, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, rice farmers from all over the country were in Texas last week for the USA Rice Outlook Conference in Austin. I made a trip down to Austin to cover the conference, and we'll have more on it coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Survival as a farmer in the Texas High Plains certainly involves managing water resources carefully. The Master Irrigator program is designed to educate producers about helpful technology and strategies. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about Master Irrigator on Texas Ag Today. The importance of Texas beef checkoff dollars as they relate to exports of beef worldwide. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'll have that report straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough time for ranchers in 2022, but maybe there are better times on the horizon. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Rice farmers from the six major rice-producing states were in Austin last week for the USA Rice Outlook Conference. Texas rice producer Daniel Berglund sits on the USA Rice Board of Directors. He says the conference is recovering well from the COVID setback. You know, we're not back to the numbers we had pre-COVID, but we had a really good turnout. I think uh, it shows that there's still a lot of interest in innovation and production practices from all six states because we are we did get a good representation for producers from all six states that are currently, you know, farm most of the rice in the United States. So between the, the people that came out to have their, their booths and the producers that showed up to participate, it's, it's been good. USA Rice President and CEO Betsy Ward was also pleased with the conference, but she says rice producers are struggling right now. I think everybody's got a lot of anxiety about the rice industry right now. We've had a really tough year, and heading into the next year, there's a lot of concern about input costs and cost of production, same issues that we had this year, and obviously weather is always a big factor, but um, so I'd say uncertainty, and that's why people come here is to talk to one another and talk to some of the experts and see what they can find out as they're making planting decisions going into 2023. Unlike most commodities, rice has not enjoyed the big jump in prices over the last year or so. So Ward says USA Rice is working closely with USDA and Congress to help make the rice industry more viable in the future. Texas dairy producers have a little more time left to enroll in the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. USDA has extended the deadline for dairy producers to enroll in the DMC. 
to January 31st of 2023. If you need more information, contact your local Farm Service Agency office. Herbicide resistance is a growing problem here in Texas and across the country. Matt Inmond is technical marketing manager for BASF. He says now is the time to evaluate your 2022 weed control program. As we're uh, in harvest, we're going through the fields right now. No better time than to look and see how we did, how 22 uh, performed with our weed management programs, you know, and, and some of those problem areas think about where we can start making those those tweaks into hopefully um, doing a better job the next year um, and, and again not spreading uh, again talking about palmer and pigweed not spreading that seed around across our fields and operations. Inman reminds producers that just one pigweed can produce millions of seeds in just one season. Managing water resources is vital to surviving in agriculture on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us there's a program coming up that can help you do just that. As we all know, the Texas High Plains is very much a water-challenged region, so it seems only logical that learning how to use irrigation more efficiently would help any farmer. There is a local program that is designed to educate producers about irrigation technology and strategies. It's called Master Irrigator. And to tell us more, here's Curtis Schwartner with the North Plains Groundwater Conservation District. The Master Irrigator program is four six-hour sessions that teach irrigators more efficient methods of irrigation we talk about cropping systems, irrigation systems. We talk about the variety of equipment that can be used, for example, to monitor your soil moisture through the season, uh, pivot irrigation controls. We also talk about drip irrigation, subsurface drip irrigation, and the controls associated with that. We talk about variable frequency drives. We talk about natural gas generator sets. As you can tell from Curtis Schwartner's description, Master Irrigator is pretty comprehensive and covers many considerations. There's no one magic bullet, no one piece of equipment, or no one variety of crop or tillage practice that is the answer to all your problems. It's a systems approach. It's more tools in your toolbox. The program costs $100 and just 25 slots are available. Classes begin on February 15th. To find out more, contact the North Plains Groundwater Conservation District in Dumas or go online and use the words North Plains Master Irrigator as your search terms. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Beef Council is working to improve beef exports. Tom Nicoletti has more from the recent U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting in Oklahoma City. Jason Bagley with the Texas Beef Council joins me in Oklahoma City where he recently attended the U.S. Meat Export Federation's fall conference. And Jason, uh, why is it important for uh, you representing uh, Texas Beef Council to attend a meeting such as this? So the Texas Beef Council invests checkoff dollars in promotion, research, and education, and part of that promotion happens internationally. You think about 96% of the world's population lives outside the United States, and so we have a huge demand for U.S. beef in other countries, and we're always trying to grow that demand for U.S. beef. What part of the world are you folks at uh, Texas Beef Council most interested in in getting beef exported? So we invest dollars through the U.S. Meat Export Federation in a variety of countries, whether that's Asian countries like China and Hong Kong, Taiwan, Korea, 
Japan for sure, but also some of those smaller countries in Central and South America and the Caribbean markets and the Middle East. Those are all markets that we invest in to get those boots on the ground that U.S. Meat Export Federation has and really get those doing educational seminars and promotions in those retail and food service operations. And certainly with Texas being the number one beef producing state in the United States, the Beef Council's role in all of this is extremely important. As a beef industry, we have a lot to gain in the value of increasing the value of beef exports, and that's certainly what it does as it increases that value, and it drives a lot of value back into our industry. So everything that happens on the ranch level from beef quality assurance practices that that we talk about here domestically, all of that goes into creating that safe, high-quality product that gets used domestically but also exported, and truly we have the highest quality product in the world and safest quality product in the world that goes to all these different markets, and that is why they love U.S. beef. That is Texas Beef Council's Jason Bagley. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This was a tough year for farmers on the Texas rolling plains, but Barry Mahler says there may be better times on the horizon. It's certainly no secret that the livestock industry has been dealt several hard blows over the last year, and a lot of the producers I talk to are hoping that things will settle down a little so they can get back to doing what they do best, and that's raising beef. The drought that affected not just Texas, but most of the southwestern part of the U.S. has been devastating on cattle herds. You know, the old saying goes, it's hard to haul water or feed a large herd of cattle, but it's impossible to do both. And that's exactly the situation we found ourselves in in 2022. Cold weather last winter caused a lot of feed to be fed that would have been carried over, and that left us with a deficit of hay going into this year. It just so happened that dry weather made winter grazing short, whether it was winter grass or wheat pasture, and that pretty well cleaned out the hay yards. A dry spring prevented a lot of the Sudan grass hay and other improved grasses to grow for the cattle to graze or for us to bale for later use, and a large part of the herd went to the sale barn. The lines went for miles around country auction barns in the spring and summer, and we saw a lot of good genetics get sold way before they should have, and it's going to be expensive and difficult to rebuild. Now, fall rains have made us feel a little better, but we're still way behind in moisture and still have many tanks too low to run a cattle herd on. So a predicted wetter spring will be necessary before we can begin to think about herd rebuilding. Meanwhile, calf prices are projected higher in 2023. And that's good news if you've got some to sell, but many operators will be retaining cattle, rebuild the herds or buying them at higher prices. Of course, the big sell-off will cause supplies to be short and prices higher in the future. Some analysts are predicting prices of, say, your 500 to 550-pound stockers at over $2 a pound in 24, just because there will be fewer of them. One of the things that's been amazing about the market this past year is that consumer demand stayed strong, even though the price of beef was high relative to the past prices. There was a time when the consumer would turn away from beef at a certain price point and go to chicken or pork, but this time both those commodities were higher also. Inflation is causing shoppers to take a hard look at their purchases, and it's going to be an interesting year trying to see where resistance is due to price. Right now, we just need a good wet spring to get feed supplies and available grazing back to somewhere near normal and maybe get inflation to cool down some so management decisions won't be so tough. I'm thinking there are lots of ranchers out there that have at least those two things on their Christmas wish list this year. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. After a six-week closure, anglers can once again keep flounder they catch off the Texas coast. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And lots of dogs are taking non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs for arthritis. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Lots of dogs are taking non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs for arthritis. But Dr. Bob Judd says these drugs can cause multiple side effects. Arthritis is very common in older dogs. Many of these dogs are on medication for the pain. And most of the time the medication is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory or NSAID NSAIDs can cause multiple side effects in dogs. We can check blood work to make sure the liver and kidneys are normal before prescribing the drug, lowering the risk. But it is difficult to determine if a dog will develop gastrointestinal ulcers on this drug. The prevalence of ulcers is unknown, and so a study was performed that examined 14 medium-sized to large dogs treated with an NSAID for over 30 days, and another 11 dogs were examined as controls that were not treated with NSAIDs. The stomach of the dogs was examined by a small capsule that contained a camera called a video capsule. And this camera recorded intestinal transit time and the presence of mucosal lesions. The mucosa is the lining of the stomach and mucosal lesions would generally be some degree of ulceration. Two of the dogs in the NSAID group could not be imaged, but out of the 12 dogs on NSAIDs, 10 had gastrointestinal ulcers while only three dogs in the control group had ulcers. So there's definitely an increase in ulcers in dogs taking NSAIDs long-term for arthritis. Although none of the dogs had clinical signs, it is important to realize that giving these dogs this medication can cause gastrointestinal disease. For this reason, it is important to monitor dogs on long-term NSAID therapy, and any dogs that develop diarrhea or vomiting should be considered to possibly have stomach ulcers, and the medication should at least be temporarily discontinued. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. After a six-week closure, anglers can once again keep the flounder they catch off the Texas coast. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. In just a few days, the flounder fishery off the coast of Texas will once again be open to anglers. Julie Hagen, social media specialist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Coastal Fisheries Division, says anglers can start keeping the flounder they catch in state waters December 15th. We changed flounder regulations in 2021 to close the flounder fishery for six weeks in the fall for both recreational and commercial sectors. This closure helps to keep spawning females in the water, which will help populations increase. The closure was prompted by flounder population declines. We actually made the decision to change regulations for flounder starting in 2019. And then in 2020, the regulations were adopted by the commission. But the commission chose to push the full closure for six weeks to 2021. So that's why it just was enacted last year. And that was due to overall population declines that we've been seeing since the 1980s. 
TPWD manages the fishery out to nine nautical miles. Federal authorities manage the fishery past that point. Anglers fishing within state waters when the fishery reopens December 15th may only keep flounder that reach a minimum of 15 inches. The bag limit is five. Flounder is one of the state's top three targeted species, along with spotted sea trout and red drum. So it's a very popular sport fish, and it also has a commercial fishery, which means there are people in the commercial sectors who are able to buy it and eat it in restaurants. Again, anglers in state waters can start keeping flounder they catch December 15th. Be sure to check the Outdoor Annual for all of this year's fishing regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We started the week with a mostly higher trade in the cattle complex, and we saw a big jump in corn and wheat. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market finished Monday mostly higher. We did have a couple of lower contracts, but overall it was a mostly higher trade to start the week. December live cattle up 72 cents, 154.40. February up 55 at 156.10. April live cattle up 55 at 159.90. Feeder cattle lower on the nearby January. It was down 27, 183.65. March feeders up 12, 185.22 while April feeder cattle were up five at 188.65. Cash-fed cattle trade really picked up on Friday. We sold cattle from 154 to 155 here in Texas. That is steady to a dollar lower compared to the previous week. However, the overall cash trade volume was light last week with just over 52,000 heads sold, 90% of that committed for nearby delivery. Box to beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up 567 at 254.69. Select up 353 at 224.79. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass, our guest from Cattlemen's Columbus. Doug, how'd the sale go this week? We had a good sale, Mr. Larry. Uh, ended up with 1,421 head of cattle. Uh, market looked good. I mean, everything looked pretty steady the week before. I'm uh, just sure happy to see that and had a really good set of cattle there. Good. Walk the pens with us. Yes, on your way in cows, your thinner, lower yielding cows, 18 to 30. Medium flesh cows, 40 to 59. Your better cows bring 60 to 78. Lower yielding bulls, thinner bulls, 65 to 81. Better high yielding bulls bring 90 to 101. Didn't have any pairs. Had a few bred cows. Bred cows bring anywhere from 1,000 to 1,250 on the better end. And had a few longhorns and so forth. And cows bred bringing 5 to 750. Uh, looked like uh, camp market, like I said, looked pretty steady the week before. Two to three weight steers, 160 to 242. 
heifers 160 to two dollars three to four weight steers 170 to 235 heifers 170 to 220 four to five weight steers 160 to 222 heifers 155 to 210 five to six weight steers 155 to two dollars heifers 145 to 195 six to seven weight steers 150 to 185 heifers 125 to 171 seven to eight weight steers 125 to 163 heifers 115 to 144 and your 800 to a thousand pound steers and bull yarners 110 to 150 heifer at spring a dollar to a dollar 35 sounds like you had a good sale what are you anticipating for next week it'll be the last one for the holiday right yes it'll be the last one for the holidays we've got quite a few cattle lined up coming uh looks like we'll have a good end of the year uh also like to remind everybody we will be having a special there in columbus december the 29th we've got a really really good set of cows coming if anybody's needing some cattle it'll be a great time to buy tell everybody how to get a hold of you doug bass yes sir call me on my cell 979-877-4454 call sir at the office in columbus at 979-732-2622 neighbor that's our livestock auction market report for today we'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens i'm larry marble for texas ag today Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now. We're lean hogs finish mixed on Monday. December hogs up 37 cents at 81.95. February hogs down 30, 83.70. Same story in class three milk. A mixed close. The nearby December was unchanged, 20, 50, 100 weight, while January milk was down 8 cents at 19.16, 100. The cotton market lower on Monday as traders continue to digest Friday's USDA supply and demand report. In that report, they increased domestic cotton production, increased domestic stocks, and increased global stocks. That weighed on cotton prices Monday. March cotton down 156 points, 79.39. May cotton down 142 at 79.48, while new crop December was down 95 at 77.37 cents. The Russia-Ukraine war continues to affect grain trade. Over the weekend, Russia attacked the port of Odessa in Ukraine, and that boosted grain prices on Monday, both corn and wheat. Moving higher with March corn up 10 cents, 6.54 a bushel. New crop September up 5 at 6.10 and 3 quarters. Bigger jump in the wheat markets. March Kansas City wheat up 29 and a quarter, 8.62 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat up 20 and a half, 7.54 and three quarters. In the energy markets, January natural gas up 26 cents on Monday at 6.50. January crude oil up 237, 73.39 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon, the Dow up 504 points, 33,989. The Nasdaq up 133 at 11,137. The S&P up 54, 3,988. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.